that discusses all the latest and greatest football stories of the week, including having a bit of fun at someone else's expense along the way. I'm your host for this episode, George Pavlou, editor at Extra Time Talk and Crystal Palace fan. And joining me today, I have last word on football writer and Chelsea fan, George Priestman. How are you doing, George? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Yeah, I mean, it's just us two this week. Um, unfortunately, Andrew's in Mexico, actually, funnily enough. You know, lucky, bu- lucky bugger. Well, I could do with some sunshine right now, I'll tell you, middle of February. Um, and Matt, I'm not sure where he's gone, uh, but he's he's going somewhere as well um, for a little bit. But you've got us to hold you over, so isn't that lucky for you guys? Anyways, um, getting on to starting with the weekend's games. Um, start with your team then, George. Chelsea, um, after that absolute horror show in the midweek, which I won't go into, don't worry. Um, you know, the perfect response, basically. A 5-0 thrashing of Huddersfield. Higuain got two, if I remember correctly, including one of them being... An absolutely brilliant goal. Um, great way to get off the mark for him. So, yeah, just great performance, really. Exactly what you needed. Oh, after that other game of the week, you know, you couldn't have asked for a, a better home game, you know, playing bottom of the league at home yeah. with, you know, Higuain on his, his home debut. Full team out. Um, you know, we just looked relaxed. We looked, things just started to happen for us. You know, with the, the team, a lot of teams have come to Stamford Bridge this year and, and sat back. We haven't found a way through and, the first goal from the Kante ball to, to Higuain was just, you know, it was sublime. It was, it was just, it was so good for him to, showing that he has that, he has that vision as well as showing that little bit of added extra this year that people might not have thought he had. But the ball and the, the movement makes it Higuain for a Chelsea fan. It's just uh, good to have a striker and put the ball in the back of the net, which we've sorely needed for a very long time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that strike, we talked a long time about Chelsea have needed that striker. Um, like the, the Higu- and Higuain very much seems like he's brought that. I mean, again, like we say, it is Huddersfield, bottom of the league. Yeah. Worst, probably, I think at this point, they are the worst defence in the league. I think they've just overtaken Fulham. Um, I might be wrong on that, uh, but they're certainly up there. So it's it's not exactly the greatest test he'll have, but it's great to see that he can he can actually do the business for Chelsea when he needs to. Do, do you think that's really... Because obviously with Chelsea, the talk is all about Sarri and the style of play and Sarri ball, how it's not working out. Do you think that actually, had he had Higuain from the start of the season, Chelsea might not be in quite as much of a mess as they are now and they might even be pushing for the title? Yeah, well, I mean, we, we were linked with him in the summer and um, it looked like it was going to be a done deal, you know, former manager linking up with former player. He thought it was going to be you know, a match made in heaven and they just it didn't quite go through. For some reason, he went to Milan and had a you know a bit of a torrid time there, and you know obviously we had our problems up front. But I wish we signed him in the summer. It made sense at the time, you know, ushering a new a new era of of a manager with a, a new striker, a striker that we we needed after Morata last year. So I'm pretty. It was pretty annoying that we didn't get him that time, and it feels like we have wasted a little bit now, a bit of the season. But we we have dropped we dropped 12 points against teams like um, Everton at home. Um, Boss Bournemouth away. There's a lot, of, a lot of games where we drew a West Ham away nil nil. The little nils that have killed us when we haven't been able to break through. And on the day you're looking for someone to, you know, to be the difference, and it, it wasn't, it wasn't Morata and it wasn't Giroud. So yeah, it would have been great to add him from the start. I mean, you never know those those games that we drew the nil nils at home and away. You know, a goal here and there. You know, if we had if we had a green, you know, we could have been right up there. Yeah, I mean, as a Palace fan, I can absolutely sympathise with <laughs> missing games, by missing those key points by not having a goal scorer. So, yeah, um, I think it's a sort of it's ironic as well because you bringing in um, Higuain has opened the door for Batshuayi to come to us. And that's sort of, I mean, he hasn't scored yet for us, obviously, but that could well have solved both, you know, killed two birds with one stone, so to speak. Um, and we'll get onto the Palace game in a little bit. But, I mean, as for Huddersfield, I mean, there's not much left to say, is there? It's looking, it's looking more and more, you know, hopeless for them. Yeah, of course. So they've they've they just look 
look like a team that's going down, basically. Yeah, you know, when you're conceding goals like that and, you know, what they've got up top, we know we know Huddersfield have never been gifted up top, you know, they've always struggled for goals and then when you when you concede as well so heavily and, you know, you don't have that attacking threat at all, it's it's just never going to end well and they look, they look at a team that has maybe just overstayed their welcome in the Premier League. Yeah, I think with Huddersfield, the thing is, they are, they absolutely exceeded their expectations in the first season, had that great start to the season, but then very much petered out in 2018. And we've seen that carry on this season. Um, but I think overall, that's... I think that Huddersfield playing it smart by... They're clearly building for the championship with their appointment of manager and there's players that they're signing. I think it was Carlin Grant they signed from, from Charlton, who very much looks like he'd be a good championship striker. I personally would have loaned him back out to them for the end of the season, just let him get a bit more experience. Then he can come back next year, you know, ready and firing. Um, but that's, you know, is he still a good signing either way? Um, I think Punchin as well, signing him on loan from us. He's out of contract at the end of the season. It's a perfect opportunity for them to get him on a free. And I think even though he's definitely passed his best, I think he's still a good championship midfielder um, for them and certainly a good addition to their squad. So I think Huddersfield, I think if I was a Huddersfield fan, I would very much, even though we're getting, you know, even though they're getting tonked this year, unfortunately for them, you know, it's it's very much the first year was very much of the actual year in the Premier League was very much a bonus, and I'd see that as using that money that they've got to sort of improve the infrastructure of the club and you know turn themselves into more of a consistent Premier League club, a bit like what Burnley have done, where they went down straight away, um, and then came straight back up and have rebuilt from there. I mean, whether or not they'll come straight back up is a yeah, bit well, of a it's hard to tell. It's so hard to bounce back, but if, if they can do it, it can be fantastic for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, never an easy time in the Championship, but I think that they will be. They they clearly they clearly know that and they're equipping themselves as best they can um, and they clearly they they're a well run club Huddersfield so and even if they don't do it straight away I'm confident they'll be able to eventually rebuild and get the structure right and whenever they do come back to the Premier League I'm sure they'll be stronger uh, okay so yeah uh, moving on to my team for the uh, weekend then uh, Crystal Palace big massive game for us against Fulham uh, pretty would pretty much determine whether or not we're gonna you know have a fairly comfortable end to the season or if we're gonna be dragged right into that relegation battle. Um, we ended up winning 2-0. Um, still not completely out of it, but definitely looking better than we were um, had we not won that game, but especially with Cardiff beating Bournemouth as well. Um, I'll be honest, the first half I wasn't particularly impressed by. Um, I think we were, we were... It was a really stupid penalty that Fulham gave away. I thought we were lucky to get it. Um, but the second half, I thought we were much better. I think that it's the second game this season we've won without Zaha as well, obviously serving a suspension from the Southampton match. And I think the fact that it, it shows what I've been saying all along is that we have got other good players. He's not our only good player, is that we rely on him too much. And when he's not there and we're forced to, now we've got better players to try and build, with more players to build a system without him, it, we'd, we're doing much better. Um, so I think that's, it's great to see that. I think that, um, I think obviously Batshuayi um, didn't make his debut until I think the 70th minute because, you know, he'd just flown back from, um, from Spain, he wasn't that fit, and he'd only actually met the team, I believe, that day, the day of the game. Um, <laughs> so, it, it's, it, I mean, it very much looks like he's settled in already. Is the great thing because, I mean, if you look at his, if you saw his post-match interview um, with the BBC, Saka, he's, it doesn't, his English isn't actually that perfect yet, and Saka was translating for him, <laughs> uh, which shows, they, which shows, I mean, I really think he's going to fit like a glove here. Um, he, the, he clearly loves the rest of the squad. The squad get along well with him. The fans love him already. You know, we all know what he's like on social media, and we love a bit of that here. Um, so, and, and he, obviously his performance was great as well. I mean, that first shot he had, that shot he had, which set yeah. Schlupp's goal, it just shows that it, it was a great bit of um, creativity and you know just that that bit of ingenuity. I think the words we're looking for yeah. that, that that just That's sort of word, yeah, yeah, very, very <laughs> much pulled the goal. Not many people would try that shot. It was quite aud- aud- audacious. Um, well, he's got ability. Yeah, he does. I mean. 
to have him come in is is perfect for you. It you know it kills two birds with one stone for us because we've we've got rid of him and you look yeah he'll it'll be good for you. I think he's he knows he's he's a, he can be a very good goal scorer and as long as you can feed him, I think he gets a link going with with Townsend and uh, Saha. You know you you could see him you know reap the rewards to be honest because he has got ability. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that even when he doesn't score, he makes them. You know, he's he's a very um, creative player up front. Yeah, and he makes, he's not a bad link up player either. Honestly. No, exactly. He makes chances from difficult places. Even though he didn't score that goal, it fell right into Schlupp's path, and yeah. we got the goal anyway. So that was invaluable. And the other thing as well as I think his chem. Obviously, him and Benteke are both um, strikers of Belgium, and they've really got that great chemistry, and it brought the best out of him. I mean, we all saw that chance he had, that overhead kick that hit the bar. <laughs> I was so gutted that didn't go in, because what a goal that would have been, his first of the season, uh, to come like, back on. Like it vintage Benteke. Yeah, I mean, we were sure we remember that overhead kick against Man United. Um, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was the old Benteke. And it's coming, his goal is going to come, he is going to get back <laughs> to scoring soon. It's a case of when, not if, and he's looking so much better. Um and yeah, Batshuayi is very much that sort of team player that helps link us all together. And hopefully he can stay fit. And I mean, if we want to get him in the summer, it's going to be one hell of a price. But, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. And then again, I mean, Fulham, um, it's just a, such a dis- after such a great f- a result against Brighton coming from 2-0 down. I think they do have more hope than Huddersfield, to be honest. Yeah, well, they got the better player. Um, well, exactly. Mitrovic in particular, when you've got... a I think he's, you know, joint top goal scorer outside the top six. And when you've got a player like that, there's always hope of getting out of it, no matter how bad you're doing. Although he did miss a couple of really good chances against us, so he's clearly not the most clinical striker in the world. But he's a handful. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, it's if they keep leaking goals the way they do, you yeah, know, it's hard to see how it's improving for Fulham. And with all the money that they've spent, unlike Huddersfield, who have very much built themselves a sustainable, sustainable position, Fulham have spent a hundred million this summer in the transfer window. You know, in the, in the summer transfer window, the most of any promoted club ever. You know, that's that's not sustainable for club. I mean, I think their stadium is slightly smaller than Palace's, and ours is not big, so they're getting less fans than we are a week. Um, and it's just like I can honestly not see them coming back for if, if with all the with all the players as well. How many players are they going to be able to keep, and the weight yeah. they're going to be on as well? I mean, you'd dread to think how many of those players are leaving summer if they got relegated. You know, there's plenty of players would be, you know, going for a Premier League club. Premier League clubs would be, you know, if they're getting players at cheap prices as well, it'd be it'd be quality. You know, it'd be an absolute free for all. Yeah, I, I think the, the, the long-term future of Fulham is, it's not, I think, I can understand them making that gamble in the summer because you do have to spend a lot to get up, but you have to balance it as well. And I think they probably should have accepted that they're not that likely to stay up in their first season, spend money in the positions that they need to, but have a little bit left over just in case they did go down. And then they could use that to rebuild and try again. Um, but they haven't done that. And it's looking a bit bleak for them, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, moving on to the other results in the Premier League, there's only really one place to start. Um, Manchester City have officially overtaken Liverpool uh, in the table. Only on goal difference, to be fair. They're still both on. Um, I've actually forgot how many points they're on, but they're both um, level at the top with the exact same number of points. Um, yeah, 62, yeah, 62 points. 62. Okay. Brilliant. So yeah, Manchester City. First of all, on Sunday, um, a three-one, pretty much demolition of Arsenal. I mean, Arsenal got to the. In the end. They, yeah. Yeah, they did very well to get back into the game, but I thought after that, City just, I mean, City just to have too much quality for them. Um, and I think that says something when, even though Arsenal, we know aren't that great a side anymore, um, the fact that City are so far ahead of them just shows how, you know, how good a side they really are. Uh, and then, of course, the um, the last night, the 2 0 win over Everton. I think, you know, pretty solid performance overall. I think Everton were much better that night than they have been for a while, but, 
you know, City got the two goals and the and the points, and that was that was all they needed to do really. And you know, obviously Liverpool dropping one all, uh, dropping points at West Ham with a one all uh, draw possibly could have been even more. You know, mm. we all know that first goal, Liverpool's goal, was offside. Um, About two yards, yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah, and it makes you wonder if they hadn't been given, yeah. would West Ham have gone and taken all three points, and would City be even further ahead? Yeah, perhaps. I mean, West Ham played. Really, I thought West Ham played really well. Everyone, everyone looked up for it. Uh, everyone, you know, you could see from, you know, you'd like to think. Well, you'd like to think a lot of your players up for every game, but you just see like yeah. see Mark Noble giving it. You know, you see it in the intensity when he plays. You know, and he, he knows how much it means. You know, to to yeah, be that, that team, and he was working. He worked so hard, and I felt like that translated a bit to the rest of the other players, and they all looked really up for it. Yeah, I think West Ham have always had a good record against the top six, especially at home. Um, and I think that, particularly after losing the last couple of games quite heavily, I think there was much more of a, a need for a reaction. Uh, and I think they very much gave one. I mean, they're playing us next week, and um, I'm a bit worried, to be honest with you, especially now on Altovich is back. Um, but we're both really inconsistent, so it's a case of whoever whoever does, whoever actually turns up on the day is going to get the points, in my opinion. But anyways, I think it was a great performance from them against Liverpool. And I think that... It, it's it's. I mean, this is showing up to be one of the best title races we've seen in quite a while now. Yeah. I mean, it really is neck and neck at the top. Um, and you know, you look at Liverpool right now. You look at their fans, and you look at you know, likes of Jurgen Klopp in particular. He's he looks a lot more. He looks his Leicester interview and now his West Ham interview. Even though they didn't lose, he definitely looks more rattled now. Do, do, yeah. do you think that the pressure is obviously getting to them? There's no doubt about that. But do do, do you think that this sort of um, that this sort of reaction is sort of you know, degrading their chance, obviously degrading their chances with the fans, but do you think that combination in general is is sort of very much sort of, they're almost walking into City's, City's hands, you know, doing walking into their trap, so to speak? Yeah, it seems like it, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it seems like it's all culminated in a, in a few weeks to, you know, Liverpool had this huge lead, obviously, you know, nine, ten points, and, you know, and then City had the blip, and then, you know, Liverpool started to have, you know, things didn't go their way, you know, they they look the when you beat you, you know, they had that the Spironi moment, which was the lucky to happen for them. And yeah. You just thought, oh, maybe things are going their way this season, or maybe this is the time. But I've been saying for weeks, you know, you know, I don't think Liverpool even had their their proper blip yet. You know, they've, they've had a little bit of bad luck in there. But obviously, it, it's gonna it, it comes around full circle over 38 games, and I still think there's so there's still quite a few twists and turns to go in the in the in the towel anyway. So there's plenty of games left that that are gonna cause problems for you know City and Liverpool and. At the moment, you know it's for City to come back from where they from where they've come from. Now it's you know you want to put you know they they should be so confident you know to to make up that deficit. You know it was at one, you know, we were all fearing the worst at one point at, at ten points. Yeah, we were we were thinking oh we've got Liverpool going to win the league here. You know it's <laughs> someone needs to do something. Someone needs to stop them. Um, yeah, <laughs> it seems a few teams have uh, seem to I just found a way to stop them recently. Just that the attack doesn't look as fresh and as a uh, you know, elaborate and exciting as it as it has been, and for me, I thought Firmino was really poor again against West Ham. Mm. I think he's been poor all season to be fair, bar the Arsenal game really, where he's he's helped himself to a few goals. Other than that, he's been really underwhelming. Mane and Salah seem really greedy this year, you know, not looking to really work together. And and then you when you got people playing out of position as well, like um, the right back situation as well. These sort of, these things as well have come together to make it just that little bit more difficult as well. You're forgetting that. You know, City have got fourteen to choose from here, and Liverpool have I've got a little, a few niggles here and there, and you know, bringing in like Cater to start the game and Lallana, and they weren't performing, to, you know, they haven't performed well this season. So, 
Liverpool's Liverpool's still got a place to come back, so it's, it does make for a, a very, very interesting title race, which I feel like we're due on. Yeah, absolutely. We haven't had a proper one since I think it was 2013-14 with yeah, the, the, uh, the Gerard slip and all that. that. That was a since then it's sort of been one team sort of waltzed it for the whole season. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously we had Leicester, um, which well, was, yeah, that, was yeah. that was a great match, but that was more so. Even then, Leicester sort of ended up running away from it at the, at the end. I mean, even when Spurs Spurs sort of caught up, they were never more than four points behind them, really. So it was quite a thing. I think the other thing for Liverpool as well is that. I mean, Manchester City are just is the Manchester City are just so lethal, and they they can bounce back from a defeat very quickly. I mean, obviously they lost to us, and then they lost to uh, Leicester within a few days. But after that, they beat Southampton, they beat Liverpool at mm. home, which was a you know a big pressure game for them. Um, and then after losing to Newcastle as well, they go and batter Arsenal, and then go to Everton and win in the space of you know less than a week. So yeah. it's that sort of thing. You can never rely on City to not get a result because they they always they always will. And I think Liverpool, you know, they sort of Noticed that they slipped at Newcastle, and you know it almost put a bit more pressure on them because yeah, they knew that they had such a big opportunity and let it slip. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you look at the. I mean, the spring with the squad they've got, they can just they can just switch players in and out like like for like players, and it it sort of keeps the team refreshed, and it it's such it's such a big help for them. I mean, last night you had on the bench De Bruyne, Jesus, Mares, and Sterling. Yeah. You know, you can't even get all three of them on. Yeah, I mean that bench alone could probably win the title by itself. So yeah, it's crazy, it's crazy strong. So you look, if you're looking like for me, long term for this for winning this title now, it should be City. But obviously they have the commitments of the other cup, the other the other cups as well. But with the squad they've got, it doesn't really matter because the the depth is just so so strong. Unless they do, you know, if they had a couple of injuries here and there, it might affect them. But for now, I mean, you know, they look very settled. They're playing. They're getting back to the city that you know, we know from last year. You know, with, with the clinical and, and last, they showed a bit of steel as well against Everton as well. You know, not easy. Not easy going to Everton any time. Just you know, even though they're playing not very well this season, but you know, they looked. They battled hard. They look like they're really up for it. And these players are. They've been there and done that. So and they've got a manager who's been there and done that. So you know, it, it looks to me like you know, City have got a bit of the the swagger back, and Liverpool are just just losing theirs. Yeah, I certainly think the squad depth is the biggest difference between the two teams. I mean, if you look at Liverpool, um, you know, they loaned Nathaniel Klein out to Bournemouth. And I honestly still can't understand why they did that. Why he might not be as good as, Alex- um, as Alexander-Arnold. But, you know, he's still a solid choice, solid backup. You know, they played James Milner there, who everyone says can do a job. I completely disagree. I remember we beat Blenter Anfield. Zaha absolutely tore him to pieces. Yeah, you know, he even he got himself sent off at the end as well. So, like, he, I think he's being found out massively. How's he struggling so much right back when he was so good at left back when he had that little spell? Well, exactly. I, that, exactly. That's the point. Um, I think he's being played on the wrong side. And I think Liverpool potentially loaning out these players that they could have done with, you know, yeah. Could could come back to bite them, I think. Um, yeah, you don't see City learning out Danilo, do you? No, exactly. Because even though if you might not be getting game time, they know that anything can happen, and it's always helpful to have a player of that quality in your squad, even if you don't necessarily need to use him. Um, and you know, in terms of next week, um, it's Manchester City take on Chelsea next, their place. You know, that's going to be that's going to be interesting. Do you think? I mean. Do you think there's any hope for you? Do you think you can put a dent in their chance? I mean, you did beat them at Stamford Bridge back in, I think it was November, was it? Yeah, November, yeah. December? Yeah. Yeah, so there's always, with Higuain now, you know, he's got off the mark. And... <clears throat> we, we, well, after last year, I just I just want to go there and if you compare the game from last year to what it's going to be you know, on Sunday, um, 
just going to be just a completely polar opposite game. You know, instead of putting eleven people behind the ball and then you know embarrassing the the players and making Hazard plays a target man, um, to, um, you know, taking the fight to City with the trying to play our style of football against theirs and just looking just looking to put in a good performance away at a top six club is is always important. But these are our these should be our rivals. You know, our top our challenge title challenge rivals, but. You know we've got a job to do. You know we've got we've got top four to to get into and get get back to where we need to be. So you know we'll be. This is a huge game, and City know <clears throat> they've got they need to right the wrong. You know of, of beating us, uh, losing to us in um in November. So they're going to be obviously incredible. They're going to be so up for this and prepared, and they know they they probably should have scored early on against us they had about half an hour of complete you know we couldn't pass out the back and they were all over us and we got away with it a little bit and then the county goal was I think it's like the last kick of the first half and and that just sort of and then second half they were a little bit you know bit a bit out of gas because they had to they were just pushing so hard all game and we were we were really solid like we, we, I mean I remember that game Asper Laquette made about eight tackles or something ridiculous you know it was crazy good on the day and we, we worked so hard and to beat them, you just got you've got to, you've got to work so hard, make no mistakes, and yeah. you do get the ball in those further areas to Hazard, and hopefully Hudson or Doyle playing on the right would be nice. Hopefully not Willie in again, um, and Higuain up top. So you never know. It's I'm just looking forward to seeing Higuain against a, a top defense. You know he's gone from playing the worst defense to you know playing arguably the best. So I'm, I'm just, I just want to see how we do in this challenge because I want to see. We obviously have had the bad blip, but. I want to see where we're at in terms of playing, you know, the elite teams, you know. Yeah, I think with City, um, when we went there in December and won, um, the big thing for us was we nullified their wingers, their wide play. Basically, what Roy Hodgson said is, OK, I'm going to stick my two left backs, my two full backs on your wingers, particularly Wan-Bissaka that day, who was absolutely had his best game in a Palace shirt. And that is saying something. He yeah. managed to keep Leroy Sane, one of the best players in the league, uh, quiet for the entire game. And what that did was it forced them inwards forced yeah. them towards the centre, and we knew we had even better centre-backs that could do the job. Um, so basically, City were completely hopeless up front, um, and it allowed us to hit them on the counter. Um, so that's really, for me, what you have to do with City, is you have to nullify their wide play and prevent them from stretching you. And the thing with Sarri is, we all know how expansive he likes to play, and he's even said multiple times he's not going to change his system. I mean, you know, it's, it's a recipe for disaster, in my opinion. You can't outpass Manchester City, especially not uh, at their place. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, well, if we're going to look into shut down the wings, you know, we're going to need, you know, Georgina's going to have to have a very good, a very good defensive performance and can they as well? And it's whoever who's that third man in midfield is going to be. I mean, it's probably going to be Kovacic again. I mean, probably going to be quite a deep city. It's probably going to be, a very, we're probably looking to counter attack and rather than try and outpass them, to be fair. It's just Sarri Ball's, his sort of idea is that, you know, when you do get the ball, you, you sort of, we drag the opponents onto us like, around our box and we pass through them, through and then we get. You know, in and behind them, you know, past the midfield. But with Fernandinho playing there, it's it's so tough, and their defense is so it's so well organized. And obviously, our full backs, if it is Alonso on the day, I mean, I do fear the worst. But we are going to need that support down down the wings from the midfield, and we do have that pace up front if we do play Hilton and Hazard. And um, it's just it's just so tough. I mean, obviously, I want I want, I want I, we have one there. When we when we beat them three one in the league, and uh, we won the league sixteen seventeen, it was such a <laughs> amazing moment. That was a very much a counter attacking game. And when it, when we have won there, we have gone there and been a counter attacking team, and we're gonna have to do the same again here. And we'll just have to do whatever we whatever we have to do to win the game. And it will it 
it's going to be a very, it's going to be probably a bit of a tough watch in the first half an hour as they, they're going to completely all over us as they were last time. But if we can just just find a way to shut down, all, mostly all their play go down the wings, you know, and then just try and stop. You know, I don't want to concede any city goals. And if someone gets in behind us with a quieter and uh, Davo Louise, if he's, if, you, know, you just don't know what performance you're going to get from Louise, you know, whether it's going to be a complete 10 out of 10 performance or whether Aguero is going to be all over him and, you know, we're going to be at sixes and sevens. So, you know, it, I can't really say for certain with this Chelsea team what's going to happen, especially against such a such a good team. Yeah, I'm I'm personally looking really forward to really looking forward to that game. I think it could. I think Chelsea do have the quality to do something as the thing on their day. Um, but you know, it is very much in City's favour, like you say. Okay, so moving on. Um, in this week of the news, everyone's favourite ex-football chairman, Simon Jordan, uh, mm. has been in the news. Uh, he gave an interview on talks. Well, he wants he wants to be he wants to be the the, the new chairman of the Premier League, apparently. Um, which you know, first of all, good luck. Um, I think I think he's particularly his chairman. He's he's sort of pissed off the wrong people in charge there. You know, to sort of really get a real shot at the job. But having said that, um, you know, I think for once in his life, he's actually talking a hell of a lot of sense because he was on Talksport this week. He gave an interview and he was basically talking about how the the, the TV costs of watching Premier League games because we all know how what the prices at Sky are like. And basically, what he's saying is is that the Premier League should be its own dedicated. TV network, a bit like what Netflix is. So everyone just pays a certain monthly fee, say ten or fifteen pounds, and you can get, you know, basically whatever game you want from the Premier League um, that's being shown and being broadcast, and just, you know, have that, you know, on hand to watch whenever you want. Um, so I think that I think it's certainly we all know that fans are getting ripped off in terms of TV deals and all that sort of thing, um, and it maybe might not make it have an answer to the rescheduling of games. But I do think it would be a lot more consumer friendly for those fans, you know, who can't make it to all the games. Um, what, do, what do you think? I, well, I mean, the how things are going with streaming and services, it's, it's it just seems like a really good idea, actually. I mean, if you imagine just, you know, the, the price is just such a, it's just such a lovely thing to hear. You know how much? It's I think it's nine hundred and sixty-six pounds it costs a year if you want to watch all the televised games across BT Sky and. And Amazon, I think, is one of them as well. But um, yeah, having one central place seems just very ideal. And obviously, the current broadcasting deal expires after this season, so it's a perfect opportunity to go with the times and give the people what they want, which would be one place where everything is, and it's just it'd just be so much easier for everyone. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, I mean, the Premier League is just it's it's the biggest sport league in the world. I think the most watched sport in the world. So you'd have so much, such a big market there. And even at, you know, £10, if you had, say, you know, I don't know, 5 billion people watching it, there's probably a way more than that. But to say that was just a number for the year, you know, that's £50 billion in revenue right there. So it's just like, it's very much demand over pricing. But I think that, you know, it's also a case of sponsorships as well. You know, do do the people, do the sponsors involved make more money and therefore it doesn't matter what the prices are. And there's also just the case that it's, price insensitivity as well as that people are so desperate to watch football they'll pay a lot of stuff um so it's it's a case of you know are enough fans buying it right now where lowering the prices wouldn't make enough money because you're right i mean what was it 960 pounds did you say it was for the year Nine, uh, 966 a year 966 yes i mean that's you know that's nearly 100 pounds a month um it's i mean it is absolutely ridiculous and for the thir- over the 38 games you know, I'm terrible at mental arithmetic, but you're probably looking at about forty pounds a game, sort of. Um, 
So it, it is really forty pounds pounds a week. Because there's more games, there's more than just one game every every yeah. Premier League week. Um, but I mean, it, it's just sort of. I feel like the consumer. I, cause the, the thing that bothers me is when people say that you know, obviously you have armchair fans that never go to the games deliberately because it's you know too difficult to um, you know because they don't want to have to actually be a football fan and just want to watch from the sides. But then you have other people who. For one, living, you know, foreign f- fans from abroad who, you know, are English but are living in other countries and have trouble following the team. And you have people who, you know, who are just, you have the casual market as well. You have people who just want to watch football on, on their day. So I think that there has to be a bit of a balance here in terms of how hardcore football fans and TV fans. Um, and I think that certainly this sort of thing would be would be a step in the right direction. Yeah, there's a really weird, it's a good, some good stats here. I mean... He said if it was a, a price of £8 and 100 million subscribers, it would inject £10 billion into the Premier League. <clears throat> yeah. And the current deal <clears throat> only brings in £8.7 every three years. Wow, yeah. So but yeah, I've, I've just done the maths on here as well. It'd be £80.5 a month on the current side deal. I mean, that is, that's literally 10 times the amount, more than 10 times the amount. I mean, it's ridiculous when you think about it. Well, that, I mean, that pumps so much more money into the game, and would that affect people going to games? I mean, if you're having that, does that price there? Would it affect- yeah, it, it makes you seem strange because obviously the, the main goal of the Premier League is is profit and you know revenue and all that with all the with all the direction it's going. So it makes you wonder why they just haven't made such a simple move. But I think it's probably because Sky Sports doesn't just do football; there's all these other areas as well, and that sort of comes with the package, and they're trying to shove it all into one. But even then, I feel like if you did have if, if you did have it more split up and you had the network, even if sports aren't watched as much as football, if you split it up a bit more, it would overall be better for everyone involved. So maybe it's just more of a short-term thing that they're seeing. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, if it, it's such a big deal to go through. I mean, I, I would like to see it, to be fair. I mean, the, the price itself is just, you know, it's it's crazy. It's so good. I mean, why, <laughs> why wouldn't we want that? <laughs> but. Yeah. To be fair, it doesn't have to be quite as... I'd happily pay something like, you know, I'd happily pay something like £20 a month towards the Premier League, personally. Yeah. Uh, so it doesn't even have to be that low. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Um, but I think the the option of having it as more of a... And again, to crack down on illegal streaming as well, because I know so many people who don't even bother getting Sky um, or BT or whatever, and just stream it online. So I think it would be... It's going gonna, it's gonna to save you so much money in that regard. But do you do you maybe think that you know? I guess the argument is that if you do make it more available, it's going to make people less likely to actually go to the games. I mean, do you do you subscribe to that particularly? It might do. I mean, a lot of people do complain about the price of the tickets, and obviously this would be such an easy out for them. And yeah, we're a dedicated. Obviously, there'd be the dedicated fans that go, like almost like tradition, like every week. So I mean, they'd still be there, and the people that can't usually get tickets, but as soon as this comes, I mean, it'd be so easy just to not go and pay this stupidly cheap price to, to sit, you know it's you're still seeing the game it's just whether you really want to see it live or not you know what i mean it's yeah i mean i mean as someone who as someone who lives away from his um his old local team i live in bristol now um i still very much well, i'm not gonna be able to go to every game every week it's just too expensive for me but i still very much want to go when i can and nothing quite beats that you know the atmosphere of actually being at sellers park on a match day so it's not a case of not wanting to go it's a case of you know availability and having that balance of you know when i can't go i still want to be able to follow my team and that would be very much be worth you know the 20 the 15 20 pounds or whatever it would be um to support that i think a lot of other people would feel the same as well um but I, you know, I can't. Unfortunately, it's just you know one guy on TalkSport talking about the idea. It's not like the officials have actually touted this, so we probably won't be seeing it at least for a little while. Unfortunately.
Anyway, uh, moving on. One of the one of the topics that's sort of been circling around social media lately, particularly Twitter, I've noticed, is sort of a. I mean, this is more of an ongoing thing that's been going on for a while now, but it's 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 been going on like I think Talksport released their best best starting eleven outside the top six. Um, so what we thought we'd do is we sort of the two of us have sort of gotten together our own eleven of best players. We think the best players are outside the top six, one for each position, um, and we're sort of just going to we're basically just going to talk through it and decide on a combined eleven of ours. So if I get mine, if you got yours, I've got mine up here. Uh, so if we go through in each position, so we'll start with the goalkeeper. Um, who have you gone for, George? Gone for Fabianski. Okay, West Ham. Yeah, of course. Um, I, I, I certainly agree. I think he's. Um, well, I don't know. If he, I, I certainly think he's a, a great keeper. Done great for West Ham this season. It's just a shame their defence hasn't been quite as good at some points. I remember the Wolves match um, where they lost three 0 If they'd been a bit, um, if he, you know, he, he still made some great saves. Their defence had been a bit better. They might have. You know, got a better result. Um, I've actually gone for Ben Foster personally of Watford. Um, I think it's a close tie between him and Fabianski. I was debating it, but I think that particularly in the games that we had this season with them, I think Foster basically saved them. You know, no yeah, pun intended. You know. he, has he has been, good. yeah. Uh, and I think that he's made a lot of saves this year. I think he's he, made maybe like the the most saves, maybe or the second most saves this year. And he's looked, yeah. he's looked athletic and like really, really like he's got. Cat-like reflexes. He's he just looks like he's rolled back. You know, he looks. I mean, he's, he's a bit of an old. He's a bit older now, isn't he, Fabianski? He's been around the block a bit. Yeah. I suppose he's... the argument is that I think Foster's probably saved his team more points than Fabianski in the end because they are higher in the table. And again, from what I've seen, I mean, he basically he, he got a um, man of the match against Brighton last week, I believe. Um, very much saved them a point there. Um, so it depends how you look at it. Um, I don't know. Um, should we stick Fabianski down? Probably best because I think he's got the most saves, so it's probably best to put him down. Uh, all right, let's do that. Uh, okay, moving on to okay, just quickly, four, are we do four four two formation because that's what I've got here. So oh, yeah. oh, I've done four three three, but we can we can go with it. We can go four four two. Well, okay, well let's do let's do the back four first because we're both consistent on that at least. Uh, so we'll start with centre backs. Who have we got there? I've got Ake and Maguire. Okay, interesting. Uh, I actually I've actually got Maguire as well. Uh, so we can definitely stick him down. But personally, I've actually stuck. I know I'm a bit biased, but I've actually stuck Mamadou Sakho at is at the neck right next to him because um, he's played. I mean, for starters, Palace have the best, actually have the most clean sheets outside the top six. Uh, I think only, I think actually only Man City, Spurs, um, Liverpool, and uh, I think it's either Chelsea or Man United. I think maybe Chelsea <clears throat> have more clean sheets than us. So, and he's very much been a big part of that. He's he's a really solid part of our defence, and I think that's 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 why I put him down personally. You see him week in week out, I guess. So, I mean, yeah. A better place than me to say. Obviously, when he first came in the first time round, he was he was like a bit of a saving grace when he first came. He was yeah in front of everything and been making like you know John Terry s tackles and he, he looked really solid. He's just obviously he's not gifted on the ball, but other than that, he's a no. Yeah, he's sort of one of those players you're a bit worried that he might lose. The yeah, ball. the odd thing is nine times out of ten he doesn't. He's actually a really good ball playing centre back. Yeah. Um, I think Ake's been great as well. To be fair, um, and I also. Well, every time we play Bournemouth, Ake seems to have <laughs> seems to turn into prime Maldini every time we play him. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Making us making us see what we're missing. But um, no, I I really like Ake. You know, he's young. He plays regularly for club and country. He scores goals as well. Um, and he reads the game as well. So yeah, he's, he's definitely a slightly classier player. But Saka <laughs> might be more effective. This is where you see it. Yeah, do you see Saka down there? All right. Yeah, um, I certainly think Ake's worth a shout. Um, I also think that um, Southampton's Bednarek as well, um, for being so low, low down the table. Um, I think he's had a great game. I think that when they drew against you, uh, I think he was one of the best players there, along with their goalkeeper. Um, I wouldn't put him in the team personally, but he's definitely worth a shout. 
Okay, so moving on to fullbacks. Um, let's get this one out of the way because you oh. all know how I'm going to pick for right back. Alan Wambasaka. Yeah, let's just give it a tick and move on. I got it. Pretty much. I think you had the stat about him as well. You wanted to show. Um, well, I had a few stats. I found one. Let's there's been a lot about him this season. Yeah. yeah. He's the only player in the Premier League with 40 plus tackles made, ta- uh, 40 plus tackles, take-ons, and interceptions. Yeah, it's a, he's an absolutely unbelievable season. I think only. I think if you look, I think there's another stat I saw. Only six players this season have yeah. made it past him all season. Um, so that says something. So yeah, let's let's move on from that one quickly because you know I've talk, I've gone on about him way too long. People probably sick of me talking about him. But um, for left back, uh, who have you gone for? Gone Ben Chilwell. Yeah, me too. Actually, uh, so yeah, that feels like quite nicely. Good, very good. <laughs> yeah. No, he's just. I mean, he's only he's so young. I don't realize how young he was. He's only twenty two. He's already had his call-up as well, and he, he played well and when, when we beat Croatia. He assisted Kane. I think he's really mobile. Obviously, being young, he's, he's got the leg, but um, he's a powerful runner as well. And I remember when Leicester beat us at Stamford Bridge, he looked that day he was, he was going past, you know, he was going on and past Aspen Equator, and he, he was getting back as well and, and dealing with uh, the threats that we, we were giving him of Aspen Equator and William and Pedro when he came on. So, I mean, I'm a big fan of him, and for me, he looks like, I'd, I'd take him at Chelsea to be honest as a as a starting left back. Yeah, uh, certainly. I think he's uh, he's certainly a lot of players like you say. He's so young and does such a great job. Um, but he's sort of. Well, I mean, I've noticed when watching Wan-Bissaka, the, the fullback is sort of very underrated position. And I think if Leicester were to lose him, it would be a lot more. Um, even though they are the hardest positions in the world to replace, I think it would hurt them a lot more. You know than they might think. Um, but okay, yeah, back four done. Uh, so I'm looking at my team now. Actually, I'm thinking four-three-three would probably be a bit better because the two strikers I've picked, you know, I'm not sure. I had to debate a little bit over them, so I'm happy to drop down to just one. Um, so I think for, let's we'll do four-three-three with the two wingers up top. Uh, so we start with midfielders. Uh, so what's the first one you picked? Um, I think you've got this guy as well. It's got to be Ruben Nevers. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely got him. It's a very uh, definitely a very youthful team we've got here so far, apart yeah, from the top of the two centre backs, perhaps. It's not bad, yeah. Um, this is where we might go a bit differently here. I mean, there's a lot of different options, but um, I'll explain the... Well, I'll, I'll say the first one, then I'll explain why I chose the second one. <clears throat> so, okay. I, went, I went Declan Rice in midfield as well. Yep, okay. It's in a bit further, deeper back. Maybe probably with Neves and just slightly deeper, and then playing just in front of both of those two would be Sigurdsson for me. Okay. I would have picked Gay, because he's probably the the stats show that, you know, the, he's more attention, and, you know, he's like he's like another Kante. But... Yeah. Uh, in this team, you know, you'd have to put Sigurdsson in just because of the, the threat he has going forward. And he's, you know, nine goals, three assists this year as well, plus that won the goal against Leicester. So and that's in a, you know, a very, you know, an Everton team that's been very in and out of form. So I'd yeah, Rice, Nevers and uh, uh, Sigurdsson. OK, I've gone for a slightly different approach. I've gone for Wilfred Ndidi uh, at Leicester. Um, I think he's, he's, again, he'd be more of a defensive <laughs> midfielder, so we'd probably put him in Rice's place if we were going to pick him. Um... I think that he's very much the closest thing they've had to replacing Kante since he left. Obviously, he's not quite as good. But he is also very young. He's only 22 years old. Um, turning into a 22 in December as well. So, he's been 21 for most of the season. And he's just been so... Even though Leicester aren't the greatest team defensively, he's been a, a big part of their defence when they've needed him. And he's obviously really highly rated by their um, by the Leicester fans. So, I think he definitely deserves a shout there, personally. Um, so... And the other one? I only had two. I had Neves and Ndidi because I did 4-4-2. Um, so I think Sigurdsson we should probably stick in because he'd be a bit more, you know, sort of a bit further forward. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I'll say I'll say on the Ndidi one, he's very similar to Duacore. 
Yeah, no, agreed. And um, Lerma as well. And Lerma. Yeah. So you've got three players who are pretty much all built the same, <laughs> yeah. play the same. It's I just think, personal preference there, but for me. Yeah, you. I think that, I do think your Declan Rice definitely deserves a shout. Um, I was a bit disappointed when I found out he was Irish and not English because yeah. um, we could do with more as many young players there as we can. Um, but he's definitely not too late to change him back, is it? <laughs> no, well, maybe not. Who knows? You know, if he he's certainly good enough to at least get on the bench for a couple of games, in my opinion. Um, we are doing quite well in that area, is the thing with centre midfield. So you yeah. know, it's showing how hard it is for him to break in. But he has had a great season, um, no doubt. So. I don't know. Who are we going to go for? I don't know. I just think Rice is so calm and calm on the ball and composed against Liverpool the other day. He was he was he looked strong man. every time. I suppose he has. When players do, I mean, I don't. I'm not a fan of you know the, the commentators or plaudits talking about him. That automatically makes him better. But you do yeah. have to think if he does get more plaudits, there's probably a reason for that. So should we put Rice? Yeah, I've got Rice. Yeah. All right then. Let's get that. Okay. So moving on to our attackers. Well, so if I assume we're doing this more of a winger strike in the middle sort of thing. So yeah. we'll start with the two players out wide. Uh, I think we're both the first one. I think we're both going to agree on uh, Felipe Anderson, West Ham. Oh, I thought you were going to say Saha. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am going to say Saha in a minute. I'm going to start with him first because I thought we'd agree on him more. Get him out of the way. Oh, Saha and Anderson, yeah. Okay, that would make that quite easy. To be fair to Saha, um, I mean he hasn't had his best season so far, but he has been playing down the middle for most of it to try and make up of our strikers. Yeah. Um, yeah, and obviously this silly red card he had. I will admit Anderson has probably had a better season overall. Um which you'd like to you know, there's best hand spent about forty million on him. You'd like to hope he'd be worth that money. Yeah, uh, no, yeah. So when you can see the quality when he played against Liverpool, you know, and he had Milner on toast and he he just looks so when he when he plays like that and he's just frightening defenders and they're backing off and they just they can't get anywhere near him. He, he's so he's so difficult to deal with. So yeah. good see, on his day, he's so good. Yeah, it's, it's good we're Anderson seeing it. Just got that Anderson's just got that He's just got a little bit. Of, he's got that little special something. Do you know what I mean? He can some of the goals he scored. The the one where he sets it, you know, outside the post and it's curled back in again. Uh, the home game when he scored when they won three um, two. Yeah. Like was against you that game? That was against us. Yeah. 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 Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're used to scoring screamers, to be honest. So yeah. Oh, well, we just scored a couple too far. We're used to conceding them mostly. Yeah, I think the. I think Anderson's definitely a better finisher than Zaha, at least from outside the box. Um, but they both got that sort of bit of trickery. And honestly, I'm fed up of fighting with West Ham fans about who's better. I'm not really bothered, to be honest. He's great for us. And, you know, Anderson's great for them. So it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Um, <laughs> and, and last but not least, um, up front, this is a very interesting one. Yeah. Um, I picked both. I actually picked one, well, but I did the division four four two. I picked both um, Callum Wilson of Bournemouth. Obviously had a great season so far. And uh, Jimenez of Wolves. Um, sort of only taking a little bit of time to sort of get going. Um, but he's shown he can be that sort of really good um, you know, asset for them. Um, so, I mean, who have you gone for? I went Wilson, but I would have said the three you'd be looking at there would be Vardy and Jimenez as well, yeah. But for mm. me, it has to be Wilson, yeah. Yeah, I suppose that it's about that. To be fair, Wilson, that's very much a pacey attack. And Wilson's not exactly... He might not be as quick as Vardy or Jimenez, but he's certainly not a slow player either. So. Oh, no, yeah, he's, no, I mean, 10 goals, 8 assists this year. Is, and he's had, he's been injured for... You know, a couple of a little periods. Yeah, he's had spells, yeah, he's but... had some really bad injury spells over his career, and you know, getting a goal in his England debut. Yeah, that as well is always great. All right, we'll stick Wilson in there then. Yeah, seems great. So with all that, okay, so team we've got, we've got Fabianski in goal, we've got Sacco and Harry Maguire in the at centre back, we've got Chilwell and Wan-Bissaka on either side of them, then if, we've got a midfield three of Neves and Rice and Sigurdsson just in front of them. Um, should, should we think Neves a bit further forward? Probably think Neves a bit further forward as well. Yeah, um, and then we've got up front, we've got Zaha and Anderson on either side and Callum Wilson up front. I mean, that is not a bad team at all, is it? That could 
Paul, yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, you would certainly break at least top six, I reckon. You know, if you know, with how um, you know, sort of on and off the bottom three teams of that top six have been in particular, I reckon there's certainly a chance. Um, but yeah, that would be, you know. Hopefully, you know we can. All those players won't go in one team because it definitely won't be us. I don't want to lose, you know, two of our best, three of our best players. Yeah. Um, so I guess the only thing really left to talk about is the let's all laugh at. And to be fair, there hasn't really been that much to go into really this week. I mean, it's been a fairly, you know, uneventful, boring week as far as that's concerned, which is never nice for us. Um, but I've decided to go for. Um, a couple of the a couple of instances last night in the West Brom v Brighton FA Cup replay. The first one was had to be West Brom's goal, obviously. Um, I mean, if those who haven't seen it, basically the, the the they it was a set piece. They had a free kick. They got the ball in. It sort of you know deflected off the defender's header as it does. Then it came straight to I've forgotten who the player was. I'm afraid. Um, I have a look. I have a look at it now. But it came to the West Brom player, um, and basically he was like literally one yard away from the goal, right by the post, and just sort of slotted it in as it hit his foot. I mean, and you sort of like think that, you know, it's the sort of thing where it's, if the offside flag goes, for instance, and then he just hits it in when the, when the you know, when the team's concentration is lapped, it's like the defending was absolutely ridiculous. It was just such a comical goal. Um, and then the second part, which I thought was quite funny, even if it was, you know, uh, it was Glenn Murray, the first goal that he scored after he came on, um, deflected off, um, you know, a certain part of his body, um, you know, towards the, you know, the sort of crotch area. <laughs> so that's where it was. It wasn't quite that specific. I mean, you, I, I can't exactly say I was looking particularly hard, um, but it was, it was quite, a, I thought it was quite amusing how that was the goal that got them in the lead. And you got a sec- good second goal as well, to be fair. Yeah. Well, I'll go, oh, all I've got this week is just nothing to laugh at, probably more to laugh with, but it has been a slow week, as you did say. Um, obviously, you've got the Dini quote, um, on Ben for on Ben Foster saying he, you know, he doesn't eat he doesn't eat particularly well. He eats a, he eats a lot of rubbish. He, he only trains twice a week and he, he turns up on the weekend and he's he's unbelievable. So a little insight into Watford there. <laughs> but I'd love to hear more about. I'd love to hear more from Deeney. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we maybe it's best we didn't put him in the in the uh, best eleven then. Uh, if he's only doing great, not that great in in training. <laughs> Then. Yes, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, it was a Carl Bartley scored that goal, by the way. Um, ah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, they're just getting to clear that up there. So, I think West Brom, you know, not the best war we've ever had, but, and it's, it's sort of more of a thing to, I mean, you know, both, I mean, Brighton ended up winning in the end, so it's not really, you know, you know, but that's, that's, what, that's what we'll go with. Uh, anyways, so that's all for this episode. Remember, we are now on iTunes and Spotify. You can find us at Let's All Laugh At. Be sure to follow us and drop a rating. If you're on Twitter, you can follow George at La. LWOS Priestman and me at the underscore Armani code. You can find each of our work at lastwarnerfootball.com and extratimetalk.com respectively. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next time. Take care.